we're now on the other side of the deep breath of Christmas Eve. As we consider our, our theme here at Sutherland in the past month uh, through the season of Advent has been peace on earth. We've been considering the Prince of Peace. And tonight we turn to consider uh, the birth of Christ, the Prince of Peace. But I want to take you back and it may remind you, it may help to remind you of a relative lack of peace. So let's go to Costco. It's Monday of this week, so just a few days ago. And uh, the, uh, more than just Costco, even, even better than that, the parking lot of Costco. The most wonderful place in Burnaby at the most wonderful time of the year. It was midday. I had gone to pray with Rob, a parishioner who's in a tough fight with liver cancer. They're using words like late stage and how much time. Uh, he's living in Surrey, and I was driving home, and I called Jen, hands-free, it's all fine. I called Jen and said, because uh, traffic was good, it was wonderful, and when, when that happens, you just you feel pretty good. Although I was kind of on edge, like that Christmas edginess. But I phoned and I said, Jen, I'll, I'll be driving by Costco. Would you like me to pick anything up for Christmas Eve? We have family and some others over on Christmas Eve. And she said, oh, sure, why don't you get the ham that we need? They have good, they really do have good hams there. And so I said, okay, no problem. All going well. Thank you, Heavenly Father, how well this is going. And then I turn off of Willingdon. And then it all stops a block away from the parking lot. And it's just... It's insanity. If you all just got up right now and everybody faces a different direction and gets upset at each other and then just keeps kind of almost bumping into each other, that's what it was like except with cars. When you're in that kind of scene, all the rules of the road that normally apply, lanes and signals and courtesy, they're gone. Cars are even side by side in the same aisle, facing in the same direction, just stopped. If you turn down the wrong lane, and I know I'm, I'm bringing up some stress for you, if you turn down the wrong lane, it's over. There's people still stuck there probably right now. They made the wrong turn. I'm doing okay. I'm surviving it. I'm still able to move. And as I turn down one of the aisles, it seems to be okay. I've got space in front of me. Nobody's cutting me off. And then I see the most wonderful thing. I see a man walking towards, I would assume, his car with a shopping cart that's not even full. He looks rather serene. And I look at him and I think, he's heading... And then I see it's true. He's heading to a car that I can get to if I just wait where I am. Everything is perfect. He gets to his car. Well, first of all, it reminds me of this joke. I don't know if you've ever prayed this prayer. People were praying it in the Costco parking lot. Dear God, please give me a parking spot. Please just give me a parking spot. If you give me a parking spot, I'll go to church not only on Christmas Eve. I'll go at least one other time. I won't lie as much as I've been lying. Whatever bad things I do, I'll stop some of them at least. And they're praying like this, and then they go, uh, Oh, there's a spot now. Never mind, God. But I am much more spiritually advanced than that because I'm a pastor after all. So I say to myself, as I see this man heading towards his car, perfect. I've got a place to wait. I'm not in anybody's way. I even, but in a spiritual manner, laugh at all those other suckers who are still looking for a spot. I turn my signal on, and at that, then you, then you, I mean, you, me, 
could all cast ourselves. I see a car coming towards me, and he's eyeing that spot too. And I just look at that person, and I, with my eyes, say, it is just done if you even think about taking that parking spot. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> and then the man gets to his car, and he opens his hatch. Little Mazda 3. He's got just a few things in the cart. Groceries. Well, not groceries. Who buys groceries at Costco? I don't know. He had a TV or something. Speakers. But not that much. He opens his hatch, and his hatch is perfect. It's perfectly clean. It's like he employed somebody to vacuum it every other day. I can see that. It's perfect. And I think I'm not going to have to wait long. But then he does this thing that I've never seen before. He pauses. He just stops. Hatch is open. Cart's here. He just stops and kind of looks around. Like it was just this wonderful moment to take in. Whatever good feelings he was feeling at that moment, I wasn't sharing with him. But I was still trying to smile, not to make him upset. He got back to his work. He reaches into the hatch of the car, and he pulls out, and this is the proper word for it. If you saw it, you would use the same word. He pulls out what can only be called a beautiful reusable bag. It's folded into a little square. He takes it out, ponders it for a second, starts unfolding it. He's the slowest unfolder I've ever seen. (laughs) Puts it into the shopping cart and starts to load things from the shopping cart because it's Costco, no bags, into the bag. Takes it, places it in the hatch, and goes back again to do the same thing, one by one. It's taking a long time. Longer than this story, even. When I got into the store, it was a festival of patience testing as well. I was calm but determined, taking, taking any empty space that I could, glaring but in a nice way at the people who, and I don't understand these people, I'm sorry if you're one of them, who just stood there. It's December 21st. You're standing in the middle of the aisle at Costco. Anyway. Or the ones who seemed to be there, they must have done their Christmas shopping or something, and they were only there for the free samples. Just kind of in every free sample table, just like it's a restaurant or something, a stand-up bar. Here's why I tell you all of this, just to get it off my chest. No, that's not true. It does help to share these things, but I want to note a feeling that I had in a small way that can point to an actual human emotion and feeling that is significant. And that's one of this quiet desperation, the feeling that I'm about to lose it. At any moment, I could lose it. It's one thing in a Costco parking lot. It's another to feel that trying to manage the stress of life. We feel this competition and anxiety and even fear. And however we would characterize our times, be it world affairs or what we hear on the news or just the interior life of the average person, however we would characterize our times, it would not likely be with the word peace. We offer you a small bit, just a morsel with that deep breath. But my hope is, for every one of you who come here, this is my hope for you, that you would know a much deeper peace than that. And so I ask the question, do you want peace? You're proficient, many of you, most of you, at yelling at the world for its lack of peace. But we're all part of that world. Do you want peace? I don't expect that it was much different in the days when the angels appeared to the shepherds. There would have been then as well a lot of fear and competition and judgment 
And then came the declaration, good news of great joy for all people. A Savior has been born. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace. In fact, he would be called the Prince of Peace. So opposite to the energy of most things then and since then. Desperate competition. When I get a parking spot, I feel good. But it feels better to get it when others don't. It's the opposite energy to that. It's preparing our hearts. And you prepare your hearts for peace with stillness. With quiet. And there isn't one of you, no matter your circumstance, there isn't one of you that can't know stillness and quiet. Help me to see, we offer up a prayer. In stillness and quiet, we may find faith and belief. And the prayer that's offered up is, help me, dear God, to see. What does it mean that he is the Prince of Peace? Help me to trust. How different is what Jesus offers than the promises of this world? I read an article in Atlantic Magazine just this past week. It's a cover story. And it focuses on Palo Alto in California, a very um, upper middle class, really upper class area, wealthy area. And they say that there's an epidemic of suicide among young people there. These are kids who are excelling in fact, one of, the, one of the social workers there said, we have a real problem in this community and that none of the young people are rebelling. They're also insanely committed to pleasing their parents and to, and to achieving and overachieving. And they appear to be happy, but the suicide rate there is five times the national average in the United States in that age group. The relentless pressure to excel, fear and competition are everywhere, even in these richest areas even in a place like North Vancouver. Huge amounts of stress and anxiety and the pressure can seem unbearable. The places of greatest poverty and the places of greatest wealth and everything in between has what seems to be a lack of peace. How different then to hear good news of great joy for all people and on earth, peace. The most frequent command in the Bible, and that's how some religious people like to think of Scripture, And it's often how people who visit churches on Christmas, uh, how they think that Christians think or that religious people in general think. It's all rules. It's all commands. It's all whatever. It's all don't, don't, don't. It's all, you know, you're being bad. It's not all that. In fact, it's mostly not that at all. That's um, a misinterpretation. But it's command, 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 command. Do you know what the most frequent command in all the Bible is? Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. The angel said it over and over. And let's be honest, we don't have to look far to see Christians offering not peace but fear. And I will simply say this, wherever you see this, wherever you see Christians offering fear instead of peace, this is not of Christ. It doesn't mean we can't be realistic about the problems in the world, but the Prince of Peace comes in spite of the problems of the world. most frequent command, do not be afraid. So I did this spiritual practice on the night of the Costco excursion. So I was falling asleep at night or even woke up at like, I don't know what time it was because I fell back asleep again. 
But I wasn't troubled or anything. I don't know why I woke up. Uh, or maybe I had just almost just about fallen asleep, you know, the feeling. And I was thinking about the time at Costco and the busyness and the craziness. And then this kind of spiritual practice, this prayer came into my mind. And I pictured the parking lot at the time that I was laying in bed at night, the parking lot empty. The, the, just a just complete different feeling than what I had been in there earlier in the day. And then I pictured the last guy to leave. I don't know how it works at Costco. Maybe everyone, like a bunch of staff leaves together. But in my prayer imagination, what happened is I pictured that there was one guy that, that was the last guy to lock the door and then make his way through the empty parking lot to his car, probably parked like six blocks away because he's not allowed to park in the lot. And I pictured him smiling at the frantic rush that he had felt just some time before. All the noise, all the happening, all the going on from earlier in the day. And I pictured him pausing in the lot, probably stuff still strewn around. And I pictured him taking in the quiet instead, knowing that soon, Tuesday morning, it would be back at it. Go, go, go. It brings for us the question, Christmas after Christmas, gift after gift, day after day, what is it all for and where does it all head? Concepts of the end of the world can be depressing, right? They're almost always apocalyptic, which is come in our understanding to mean bad. It's actually not the true meaning of the word. But the end of the world is always characterized as this, you know, horrendous, horrendous happening. And you know, you see it in movies or whatever. And people all across the political spectrum have their own scenario for the end of the world. I will say some are more accurate than others, probably given science and whatever else, but I'll try not to, to land on one side or the other. On the left, we're told that it's all over. There's nothing we can do. There's barely any polar bears anymore, and Santa doesn't have a house anyhow because it's like summer up there now. And it's too late to do anything about it because we've wrecked the earth and the environment. It's over. And on the political right, you might hear things like, well, you know, the immigrants, they're going to really ruin this place. All these scenarios, these doomsday type things, and all end of the world. One of my favorite writers, Marilyn Robinson, she's writing in the American context, but she said, and I, th- I think it could hold true for Canada as well, she said, we have as a culture developed an entrenched habit of living in a state of alarmed anticipation. Alarmed anticipation. We don't really know what we're waiting for. We might think that things could be okay, but in the end, we don't expect much. Where are we headed? The declaration of the angels is that the Prince of Peace has been born. And it's not simply a nice Christmassy feeling. In just a few minutes, we'll have the candles. And I hope one of the things you feel is, oh, this is so nice. It just looks great in here. But it's a declaration of the end, where things are headed. The word end in in English means not simply over, but it also means what? Purpose. The end of a car. We heard Chris tell us about near the end of his car. The end of a car is when the hood can't stay on and the engine doesn't run and there's no, it doesn't make sense to fix it anymore. It's over. But the end of a car is also to get from place to place. The end of a relationship is when it's over, either by a breakup or by death. But that's not the whole end of a relationship is to learn what it means to love another person, to sacrifice, to discover yourself even in your love for the other. In Christian faith, hear this. The end of the world is Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. This is not a message of fear and anxiety. Rather, it's that the coming King will redeem all things 
make things right which have been wrong. Wipe away every tear, we are told. How many tears have you cried that still seem unresolved? He will wipe away the tears, not only that you're crying now, but the ones that you cried ten years ago or last year. No more sorrow, Scripture says. One day, no more death. So I'm going to be soon the guy closing up the Costco. But it's not Costco. It's this room. It's the church. Maybe tomorrow, maybe the next day. The Anglicans are coming in here soon. That sounds like they're going to invade. They're wonderful people. (laughs) If you see them, talk to them. But not long from now, in a day or two, I don't know if we'll get up here tomorrow or the next day. We've got to get ready for Sunday. I'll come back in here and none of you will be here. And the chairs, you're going to leave your chairs not in straight lines. They'll be kind of messy. Well, you won't, but the Anglicans will. Leave them all messy. And we're going to light those candles. And I don't know how you're going to do it, but some of you are going to find a way to drip wax under the chairs. It's going to happen. And I'll be the guy closing up the Costco. The manger will still be here, the crash. And Mary doesn't even have a hand anymore. Did you know that? We've got to fix her hand. We've got the crazy glue, but we didn't have time to fix it. I'll be that person closing up. And I'm telling you in my faith, I'm confident of this. Here is what I will see. It's not only for me. I know it's for you too. I will see in the quiet of this place, even without people, I will see the Prince of Peace. For me, for this world, for my heart, the light of the world. My faith is the best thing that ever happened to me. My faith is the best thing that ever happened to me. It has not called me to be ignorant or unintelligent. It's given me peace. I carefully say that because yesterday was some, somewhat of an anniversary for my wife Jen and I. This is how romantic we are, that we still keep remembering this one. It's 29 years ago that we started going out. Didn't get married, but started going out. I asked her out at her parents' house at a party, Sutherland Church party. That's how long I've been connected here. 29 years ago, and we woke up yesterday morning. I think I said, you're the best thing that ever happened to me. So now I'm I'm faced with this dilemma. Is it my faith or is it Jen? I'd say you decide, but I'll decide. Here it is. That everything in my life becomes better and greater and of deeper meaning because my faith in Jesus Christ is above these things so that I can truly say to those I love, this is the best thing that ever happened to me. You are the best thing that ever happened to me. But at the same time, I'm holding this best ever thing, my faith. Peace and faith and hope. And what I see in Jesus Christ is this. And of course I long that you would see this as well. I see the hope of the world. I would love you to see that. Christians here, I'll say a word to you and it's not to exclude the others. But Christians here in a few minutes when you're passing uh, flame to flame the candles, you have this responsibility as you Listen at first to the song and then join in singing. Uh, You don't get to sing until the words go up, okay? So don't let them play first. 
But as you listen and as you sing, Christians, you have this responsibility to exalt Jesus Christ in your hearts. Some Christians who are here want those who are not Christians here to, to know what this faith means. It's, it's, a, it's a normal longing. And I would say to the Christians here, it's impossible for anybody to see unless you're exalting Jesus Christ in your own heart. For those who aren't Christians here, I'd simply say to you, we are so glad that you're here to celebrate with us. There's no second-class citizen in this place. But my prayer is that you would overhear that faith. And maybe listen to the Holy Spirit. And even put your faith in Jesus. It's so much more than a nice warm feeling. In fact, we are not ever promised an easy life in this faith. We've experienced it just in the past few days. Just in the things I tell you. And I could tell you many more. And you could tell me. We're not promised an easy life. But we are promised this. Peace. The light of the world. Amen.